Standing over the body of Robert Pattinson with bloody stakes in their hands, it's the IGN DigiGuys. Please welcome two men apologizing to Robert Pattinson for threatening him in a pre-recorded podcast intro. Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Our uh, our listeners just keep coming up with better and better intros for us. It's really encouraging. Bob, uh, who to whom do we owe that? Nicholas Gordon. Thank you, Nick. Absolutely. Keep it coming. Yeah, Nicholas Gordon. He sent us quite a few of those. Yeah, and you know what? And we're what? using quite a few of them. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. What's going on in the wonderful digital world of movie distribution, Mark? M- movie distribution? Or you know, home theater distribution of Blu-ray and dvd <laughs> whatever <laughs> happened? Whatever happened to that HD DVD thing? Yeah, uh, you know what? I keep buying them, and they keep getting cheaper and cheaper. I wonder what's happening with that. Because I know. They're really cheap, and I'm really looking forward to enjoying it for years to come because <laughs> they're so cheap. I didn't. They're so much cheaper than Blu-ray. I'm just curious. If any of our listeners out there, if you assembled a massive HD DVD library and then just spit fire and cursed up a storm on the day when they announced they were discontinuing it in favor of Blu-ray, um, email us at gods at digigods.com and tell us what you're doing with your collection. I'm curious because there are just a ton of HD DVDs out there on eBay and elsewhere, and they're all for sale for like 10 cents. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, and frankly, if it wasn't for uh, 3D TV, which of course no one's looking forward to, but if it wasn't for 3D TV, I would consider Blu-ray dead. But I think 3D TV is going to say Blu-ray. I don't think anybody cares about 3D TV. Uh, I'm not. I'm not doubting that. But obviously, yeah. it'll make the studios care about Blu-ray. Yeah, I guess a little bit longer, perhaps. But the Expendables is coming out on uh, November 23rd. Yay! You know what else is coming out? A Team. We had we had, had listeners write us about uh, A Team not being slated, and now it's coming out in December. So dud. That was a quick turnaround. You know why? Huh? Dud. Yeah, maybe. But when's the Expendables coming out? November 23rd. See, Expendables came out after the A Team. In theaters, comes out before the A-Team on Blu-ray. Yeah, you know what that means? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. You know what I like? I like Pocket Blue, and I like BD Live. No, not really. How many times on this show have we talked about BD Live and how much we hate it? Pocket Blue, even worse. You know what? I've decided I don't even know what Pocket Blue is. Yeah, you shouldn't. No reason to. We need to talk about DVDs. And, of course, we are going to be uh, announcing the winners of last week's giveaway, the Alien uh, Legacy Blu-ray set. Giving away three of those, courtesy of the amazing, wonderful people at Fox. Well, those guys really stepped up to the plate. They really they really did. That was, uh, that's a, that was a, the biggest giveaway we've ever given and had the most enormous response. Unbelievable. I, I'm still blown away how many people emailed us on that. My inbox is completely filled. It's, it's with uh, people who, it's with, with subject line, like literally, I'll check my email. Yeah, there'll be, you know, thirty-five emails with the subject line "alien." I know. All it, it's been going on for days. It's amazing. But we have winners to announce, Wade. Yes, we do. We'll do that later in the show. What? Not right away. Not right away. So, uh, you know what? Right at the top, is, is there any news at all other than the Expendables and, and A Team? No, that's a, that's sad news. Well, look, it's getting to be the it's getting yeah. to be the holiday season. Okay. What is that? A few interesting Blu-rays, just, you know, Blu-ray nature documentary stuff. Worth mentioning for, for the holidays, right? Once we're, again, we're, Wade starts the show with stuff no one cares about. We're easing into it. We got it. Toy Story 3 to talk about. Yeah, we, we got a couple of, of big Harry Potters and things, too. I know. We got the, the uh, Metropolis. You know, the, the Metropolis is out from Kino. We got a lot of good stuff. Really, really good stuff. But 
I'm going to start by talking about some uh, some little uh, Blu-ray nature things that are that are really good to get because it shows off Blu-ray very nicely. The photography is lovely, and uh, it's worth it. You know, it's just like a family thing. It's a good thing to have in the family library. Kids will love it. Uh, a couple of them from Disney Nature: Crimson Wing, Mystery of the Flamingos. Mark, you love flamingos. I love the Flamingo Hotel in Las Vegas. No, good well, buffet. maybe you don't. Uh, you know, um, actually, a friend of ours, our friend William, he has a friend who shut down the buffet at the Las Vegas Hilton. Did you know that? Uh, please tell. No, he, he ate – like he went in and this guy's name was – they called him Schnurp. His name was Gary Schneer. If Gary Schneer is listening, my apologies for sharing, sharing a story that you probably don't want told. But this guy had won like seven consecutive Shaggy's Pizza eating contests. <laughs> And he's not like fat. He's just a big guy, a huge frame, right? Like a massive cavernous body that just can you can dump a ton of food into. And he went to the Las Vegas Hilton Buffet, which says all you can eat. And he literally ate they, – they went somewhere close to like 10 or 11 o'clock at night, something like that. And he literally ate all the food they had left. And he shut it down and got his money back because he did not eat all he could eat. Wait, how could you, that? That is so Homer Simpson of him. I know. How could you shut down a buffet? That's they're open twenty four sh- hours. They have all the food in the world. He shut. He shut it down. He ate everything that they had out. I envy him. Yeah, and he got his money back because he did not eat all he could eat, and that, that was the promise. Oh, that's hilarious! Amazing, isn't it? Fabulous. And anyway, where, and where is he now? Uh, I have not Facebook. He's, him? he's eating somewhere, I'm sure. Exactly. Anyway, Disney Nature, The Crimson Wing, Mystery of the uh, of the Flamingos. This is Blu-ray and DVD in one set. And uh, I think flamingos are unbelievably cool birds, not the ones that the plastic ones that people have sitting in uh, in their front yards, but uh, real flamingos, actual honest to goodness flamingos. Uh, this is a kind of a standard nature documentary in many respects, but it's just so absolutely beautifully photographed and. Uh, Flamingos are just such cool-looking birds, and uh, definitely check this out. It is a, it is a wonderfully uh, produced high-def um, disc. And then we also have from Disney Nature, Oceans, which is also Blu-ray and DVD in, uh, in one package. And uh, this is straight-up Jacques Cousteau-type stuff. This is just wonderful, beautiful underwater photography, and then, of course, photography of other things pertaining to the oceans. Anything, anything that has anything to do with the ocean above, underneath, in and around is uh, photographed in this. They're not comprehensive. These aren't, you know, you're not going to become a microbiologist or some kind of a zoological expert watching these things, but they're really, really good to watch with the kids. Then from uh, History Channel, we've got World War II 360, uh, 20 episodes from this uh, History Channel HD series, and uh, a lot of unaired stuff on here as well. Uh, This is pretty slick, not necessarily for the younger kids, unless you want to really just immerse them in the middle of World War II in every conceivable way. But uh, I'm a big fan of Patton, as anybody who's listened to this show for any period of time knows, and... uh, I think this is really super cool, so definitely check that out. And then um, we've got uh, the complete first season of another History Channel series, How the Earth Was Made. Uh, This is absolutely a superbly well-produced series. And, uh, it, you know, 13 episodes that just get into the most intense geological and geographical uh, detail about the creation of the Earth. Um, pretty cool stuff. Really nicely photographed. And then lastly, also from History Channel, is Earth and Space. Uh, this is a six-disc set that includes the universe and how the Earth was made. Uh, so you get all of that in this one set if you want to go for the full-blown uh, History Channel Universe, nature, 
immersion session. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, all this stuff is very, very well produced and shows off the Blu-ray format very, very nicely. Mark, shall we move on? We should move on to stuff people care about, Wade. Okay. What else do people care about? Well, right there. Look at all that stuff you got. We're going to talk about Harry Potter? Uh, we are. You know, the Harry Potter Blu-ray sets, the ultimate editions on Blu-ray, are monstrous. They're almost too monstrous. I would dare say they are beautiful transfers. I'm not going to fault the transfers, but it is an indulgence that I don't know that everybody necessarily wants to get into. Uh, these these sets, they are like cinder blocks when you pick them up. This is what we have uh, being released this week is year three, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. And then year four, uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. I... Uh, Prisoner of Azkaban is not bad. I like Gary Oldman quite a lot. And uh, the series, you know, I'm really hit and miss with all of these movies. But um, they do have some really, really good extras. The problem that I have is that these sets are so... I wish they would come out with just the Blu-ray for people who really just want to watch the movie and just and don't have 18 weeks to watch the endless amounts of stuff that they add on here and go through all the additional stuff. I mean, you get, for example, these, these giant booklets on here, these... Uh, you know, in the one, it's a 48-page booklet, and the other one, it's a 44-page booklet with uh, photos, and you get these lenticular cards, and they really, these are just huge collectible sets, and I wish they'd, you know, maybe just kind of streamline them a little bit and do this stuff down the line when they come out with a gigantic every Harry Potter movie all together. But I, I know they want to try and force everybody to double, triple, quadruple dip, but it's uh, well, the, it's overkill. Well, the thing, too, that's not fair is that if you look at Harry Potter, that's a series that appeals to kids, yeah, mainly you yeah. Know, young adults, mm-hmm. and so these things that cost you know whatever forty, fifty, sixty bucks, yeah, you're asking them to spring for that stuff, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, they're nice sets. Don't get me wrong; they're really, really nice, and they're really well transferred. And it's all just, it, but wow, I mean, it's you know, if if you watch all of the extras in these things, it gets numbing at a certain point. You, you just, it's not like film school in a box, the Criterion concept. It really is like here, watch every featurette that we could possibly cram onto here. The Lord of the Rings sets are almost getting into that too. It's a little tiresome at a certain point. You know, the other big release this week is Toy Story 3. And uh, Toy Story 3 is a terrific film. I think Toy Story 3 kind of got lost a little bit. This is a two-disc Blu-ray and DVD combo set that I'm looking at right now. And I think it got lost a little bit in the, in the summer because it was just as good as everyone expected. You know? Well, it still did amazingly well. It did. It did phenomenally well. But we've kind of sort of – it sort of came and went. And it was like, yeah, of course it was great. Well, also, look, don't forget too is I mean, that- it didn't have to be great. It just it, We're fortunate that it was. There are lots of sequels that are awful. But the first two were so good. This one lived up to it. Look, know. the thing made four over four hundred million dollars. Yeah, right. And very quickly, though. Very quickly, but you know what? Look, when toy when between the time Toy Story two came out and Toy Story three came out, the environment of movie releasing mm-hmm. changed. True. You know, Toy Story when toy, with Toy Story three now you're really well into the era of weekend grosses, all that matters. Push it, push it, push it, and if you get second, third, fourth, fifth weekends, uh, it's a bonus. Yeah, true. You know, and it wasn't wasn't that much that way with Toy Story two, and really now with Toy Story one. 
Well, you get a lot of really good extras here, and it's mostly behind-the-scenes stuff, the kind of stuff that you would expect, how they, uh, you know, how the movie was put together, how it was conceived. Um, there's also a little thing here a, uh, called the Toy Story Trivia Dash, which is a, a game. It's, uh, it's okay. It's, it could have been worse. Um, but you're getting this for the movie. And, again, all the Pixar stuff, when it goes to Blu-ray, is just beyond compare. You don't, it's just so flawlessly pristine and digital. Digital to digital, uh, you can't you can't say a single thing about it that's that's bad. This is uh, this will make your assuming you have a decent television, it'll make your television look a thousand times better than it is. Oh, these are gorgeous. Yeah, you know, amazing. look, I still have and I still enjoy the original Toy Story uh, uh, box, uh, the, the uh, toy box. Do you really? You know, still it, have it that? Was the, uh, it was the, the original sil- DVD. It was the silver packaging. Yeah, I remember and it, that. It, it came with an entire DVD of extras. Wow. And I still love that thing. That thing's great. Very nice. Well, we have a uh, a two disc set here of uh, Mad Max, the original Mad Max. I can't believe how long ago this movie was. I was a kid when the, when Mad Max was released. It, 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 we, we toe talked, cutter, we, toe cutter. We've talked about this before. I you, love Mad Max. You you make Mad Max, and then and then let's do a sequel. What should we do? Let's blow up the world. It's awesome. It's so <laughs> let's cool. just blow up the world. Oh, it's so like, cool. What a bizarre, great thing to do it was an awesome thing to do awesome thing to do anyway the original mad max which was basically an australian exploitation film a low budget exploitation film um it made mel gibson a star it made george miller a name director it's uh it, it this is just a legendary film this is on uh, blu-ray and dvd and uh includes some very cool extras here the uh, the commentary by um on the on the Blu-ray by uh, John Dowding, David Eggby, Chris Murray, and Tim Ridge is quite inform informational. Uh, I wouldn't call it a great commentary, but it's certainly listenable. And then uh, you also have a uh, a ton of featurettes and documentaries between the two discs here, um, most of which are adequate but not great. the The one that really kind of stands out is Mel Gibson, The Birth of a Superstar, which is um, let's just say not. It doesn't. It doesn't uh, go into the shadows like it probably should. You don't. You don't get any of those clippings from or any snippets from the uh, recent audio recordings. That uh, oh no. Yeah, you don't get any of the meltdown. And and by the way, since we're talking about Mad Max, you know, Fury Road has been on and off and on and oh, off, and now it's off again. I know. It's just. I, it's never going to get made. It really isn't. It's just. I don't know what Ma- the problem is. You know what? Even if it winds up being Mel showing up for twenty minutes and then he dies and he hands it off to somebody else, uh, even that people will, they'll move on. Or, or, or here's the thing, though. You know, George Miller, it's not like this guy. It's not like Steven Spielberg where if he doesn't do this movie, he's got another 16 on his plate that he can choose from. You know, George Miller doesn't work that often. So it is possible that he really does have a Jones to do this movie and he's willing to wait it out. You just don't know. That's true. But I would Very love to. I mean, who wouldn't love Fury Road? Seriously. I, look, I'm, I've been waiting for that movie for over 10 years. Uh, a movie that I, I'm not waiting for. I didn't wait for it in the theaters, and I'm not really. I don't. I did, could care less about the Blu-ray, but I'm going to talk about it. The Centurion, which was uh, made by Neil Marshall, who everybody knows of as a. Uh, he's kind of a fanboy director whose movies are just endlessly bloody. He made The Descent, among many other unpleasant films, and Centurion is uh, is just horrible. It's this dreadfully anachronistic movie about uh, Roman soldiers fighting these uh, these kinds of uh, Anglo. Um, rebels in the British Isles, you know, trying to extend in the second century AD the limits of the Roman Empire and, of course, all those savage uh, British tribes. They're known as Picts here, Picts as opposed to JPEGs and GIFs. 
Uh, they're, you know, they're just these savage face-painting people, and they don't want to be conquered. It's an excuse for lots of people to get run through with swords and uh, say things that nobody in the second century A.D. would ever have said. It is a silly, silly, silly movie uh, with a dreadfully wooden performance by Michael Fassbender, who I normally like a lot. Uh, Dominic West, another good actor, is totally wasted. Um, looks okay. Uh, you know, it uh, didn't cost an awful lot to do. I'm very, very sad, though, because this movie was produced by the wonderful Christian Coulson, who I had the pleasure of sitting next to when uh, Slumdog Millionaire won, our, uh, won some awards with LAFCA, and he, of course, went on to collect the Best Picture Oscar for Slumdog Millionaire. He is also a producer on uh, 127 Days, the new Danny Boyle film. So this is an You're un- just dropping names. I am. But, you know, Christian's a really good guy, and I'm just sorry that he, he had to get involved in this. Mark, what else we got over there? Well, we got some stuff You know, you're probably wondering, what is Wade doing? He is imitating Bing Crosby. Now, Bing Crosby was a, if you don't know, was a classic, classic crooner of the 30s right up until his death. I mean, he was famous from the 30s right on down. Yeah. And now we've got from TMC the Bing Crosby collection. This is from the Universal Backlot series. Six films, College Humor, We're Not Dressing, Here Is My Heart, Mississippi, Sing You Sinners, and Welcome Stranger. Most of these are kind of uh, excuses just as he, just none to of hear. These, none of these would sell individually. No, and they're really just excuses just to hear uh, Bing Crosby sing. You know, college <laughs> Humor is only like an hour and 20 minutes long. I mean, they're cute. And, you know, this is back when Bing was young and never really that handsome. But, uh, look, if you love Bing Crosby, there it is. Bing Crosby's been kind of forgotten. But... Um, there's the Bing Crosby collection. On Blu-ray, we have the very interesting Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I like this movie. You know I like this movie? Because Benny we Hill's love in you. It. Huh? Benny Hill's in it. Benny Hill. I love Benny Hill. Uh, you're out of your mind. Anyway, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. It's a big car. Flies around. Dick Van Dyke and uh, Lionel <laughs> Jeffries. And, uh, you know, it's the, the Blu-ray looks great. They cleaned it up. It's definitely um, for the kids. There's a sing-along on the Blu-ray. There's a driving and, game. And Benny Hill's in it. And Benny Hill is in it. I like Benny Hill. You're out of your mind. Uh, you know, look. Hey, look. This is an Oscar-nominated movie. Well, you know? I mean, what can you say? In what category? Best, best original, original song. song. That's it. <laughs> What's it going to win? Benny Hill is going to win for best something? Best supporting actor. Best supporting actor. He should have been nominated. Look, it's it, the audio is great. It's been upgraded to 7.1. You know, it's a new high-def transfer. It's pretty good looking. And, uh, again, it's for the kids, so it's interactive games. So whatever. Awesome. Awesome. Lovely. From the Warner Brothers Archive Collection, we have Legend of the Superheroes. I'm so glad they sent this to us. I love this movie. Why do you love this movie? I love it. It's just it's, – it's, this, is, this is like – this puts the exclamation point on uh, the whole Batman television experience. <laughs> this is, I mean, this is like, like a classic lost television moment. But, and, you, but this is – look, you realize th- – th- this, this thing has a laugh track. It's like Hawkman is like his gigantic I know. red thing, and I know. and Flash is. Ugh. But it, it sort of it like it took Burt Ward and Adam West, and it and it brought you know all these other superheroes into the picture. It's amazing. This is like a this is a you know if you're a fan of the Batman TV series, this is amazing. All. What's even funnier is that Ed Mc, There's sort of like this roast. Yeah. At the end of it, where like Ed McMahon hosts this roast, where literally he like. Tells jokes at the expense of Solomon Grundy. Oh, it's remember Solomon Grundy? I do. I still remember this thing. This thing was just. This is like this bizarre, incredible, weird television anachronism. It just and it's it's become a completely cult experience. Like I honestly never thought that this would ever wind up on uh, 
on Blu-ray or on uh, on DVD, but it is. Now it's from the archive collection, which means that it's a it is a uh, DVD R, which means it's you know sort of burned to order. You got to go to um, uh, wbshop.com or warnerarchive.com. Either way, but uh, this is this is really, this is just really classic cool stuff. Between the uh, oh man, this is just great stuff. It's just super cool. Uh, we, we got a couple of Blu-rays from uh, DreamWorks here, which never – DreamWorks has a habit of not getting Blu-rays out to anybody to review until street date. And these have been out for, for some time. But That was their first movie. Uh, yes, it was. The Peacemaker was the very, very first uh, DreamWorks movie with George Clooney and Nicole Kidman. Um, not a bad film. Directed by Mimi Later, who had never directed a feature. She had basically become legendary for directing these incredibly intense episodes of ER. But I, I liked her. You know what? She also directed the Asteroid movie that I thought was terrific, Deep Impact. Yes. For what it is. I, I don't know why she isn't doing more features right now. I mean, she really is a talented director. And um, the thing that I like about The Peacemaker, it is it is kind of standard issue Cold War or post-Cold War political thriller stuff. Um you know, it's there's a, there's like missing nuclear weaponry, and they've got to find it. It's it it's sort of like pre nine eleven, post Cold War political thriller fare. Very standard stuff. A lot of real huge contrivances in the uh, in the plot. But that being said, there is a um, a car. I don't want to call it a car chase. It's not really a chase. It's sort of a car duel scene in this that is really just magnificent. It is great, great editing. It is really well directed. Um, very intense and no CGI anywhere in it. So uh, on that account alone, I'd, I'd say that's definitely rental at least. And then the Oscar-winning uh, American Beauty, part of the Sapphire series, um, is on Blu-ray and looks lovely, although I don't know that you need to upgrade from your very fine uh, DVD if uh, you want to really get the experience of this. Uh, the, it, this movie works on DVD. It works on Blu-ray. It works in any format at all because it's all about the acting and the writing. That said, sure, the Blu-ray looks terrific, and there's a, on here, as before, great commentary with Sam Mendes and Alan Ball, director and the writer of the film, and uh, storyboard presentation, a couple of trailers, and uh, the uh, a featurette. So it's a, it's a very, very nicely produced piece. You know what's not so nicely produced, Mark? What? Exterminators with Heather Graham and Jennifer Coolidge. Oh, poor Heather Graham. I know. Jennifer right? Coolidge was never that attractive, but Heather Graham was This delicious. is uh, – I, I, I don't want to be too cruel. I mean this thing has gone – this is a straight-to-DVD, straight-to-Blu-ray release. And um, Heather Graham, gosh, you know, she's, she's kind of been that one-note actress for so long. But anyway – Honestly, in in an era when stuff like what was the uh, what was the, the 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 Betty White thing that recently got released? What the uh, just the, uh, just for you? Listen to you. You're just you and me. You oh and yeah, it was the one with that, uh, that Kristen horrible Bell thing. Yeah, that horrible thing. It was horrible. That was that's an awful movie. Yes. And then the uh, the Catherine Heigl thing. Well, they're all horrible. They're all horrible. Anything with Catherine Heigl or Kristen Bell, they're they're all horrible. So why is Heather Graham? Why are they getting into these in these feature films? And these Heather Graham movies aren't getting released because Heather Graham was big in the, in the early '90s, and she had yeah. her moment. I mean, you know, I and the thing is that now that Heather Graham is forty, you know, she's she doesn't I, look forty. She I'm, still looks like she's twenty-five. True, but frankly, she's she's too hot to play the mom. Yeah, right. Is what it is. Well, anyway, this is about a couple of women who meet in a uh, in a rage therapy group because they have issues with men having broken up with them. Uh, Heather Graham and Jennifer Coolidge, who, of course, you know, is, it can be very – both of them can be very, very, very funny. And um, – it's uh, it is how they f- they how they get together and uh, begin kind of a women's revolution 
quasi-terrorist group. It's a, you know, a vigilante, anti-male vigilante, vigilantism. And uh, it, the concept is potentially funny. Um, the execution, not as good as it should be. But you know what? Gosh, it's better than everything else that we just mentioned. When in Rome, for crying out loud. How does When in Rome wind up in theaters and, and something like this does Oh, my God, that thing was so bad. See? You know, not much on here by way of extras. Uh, the Blu-ray is, is roughly, you know, it's, it's acceptably better than the DVD. Neither of them are ex- extraordinary. But, gosh, it's, it's perfectly passable. Should have, could have gotten a theater. Would have done way better than When in, when in Rome. I agree. Yeah. Oh, wait, the uh, second in the Millennium uh, Trilogy, The Girl Who Played With Fire, is out on Blu-ray. And uh, The Girl With The Dragon Tattoo, I enjoyed a lot. By the time we got to The Girl Who Played With this Fire... Was a, this was a TV movie. It, that, well, the last two were TV movies. The first was, was a theatrical. This one, uh, you know, it's, start, it's starting to get uh, a little long and chewy and complicated. But uh, basically, it, it, you know, Elizabeth Sanders... Uh, life really starts to take off once this guy writes this uh, expose about sex workers and he gets murdered and then she uh-huh. gets caught up in that mm-hmm. and with that you've got the story about her father who her father is we saw in the first film that she threw gasoline and lit a match and burned a guy to death we assume it's the father we find out who it is and it ends with this big cliffhanger hmm. so I like the film uh, you know it's nowadays it's hard to fault the film for you know for being too chunky and too complicated and right. too dense, especially yeah. with the social network now, a big hit. Um, but I like this film a lot. And it doesn't look as good as the first, only because this one, again, was done for TV. But uh, it's still good. And I've seen the last one, The Girl Who, kicks, who, the girl who Kicked the Hornets next. Yeah, how is it? Um, Better than this or, or as good? Uh, or? The third one is the least, uh, it was my least favorite of the three. And so it's been a downward line. Yes. And yeah. part of the reason that is is because the more you know about Lisbeth, the less interesting she becomes. That's a good point. Uh, and also there is this – in the middle of the third one, there's a huge courtroom scene, which mm. I've been told in the book was mind-blowingly great. But in the movie, it's a huge courtroom scene. Uh, you know, and, and I see that every week on uh, Law & Order. Exactly. Yeah. So there you go. You know, uh, well, okay. Fine. Yes. The, uh, you know, Michael Imperioli – we know him. We love him. He's a good actor. But he's also a really good filmmaker, believe it or not. Michael Imperioli uh, wrote and directed a film called The Hungry Ghosts with a lot of, you know, a lot of people that he's worked with previously. Steve Sharippa, who I really like a lot, Ingenue Ellis, Nick Sandow, uh, Emery Cohen. And um, it's a, this is a really good little movie. This is out from Virgil Films. And it reminded me a little bit of, I mean, it certainly feels like a, like a, like a gritty well executed, but certainly kind of rough around the edges. Uh, New York indie, which is exactly what it is, but it reminded me a little bit of a, like uh, Smoke and Blue in the Face. The that, two, which that, that's a compliment. Which is you know those are terrific films as well. This is about five different people in New York and just the interlocking lives. Uh, a little bit of kind of a like a Magnolia sort of um, portmanteau scenario, and uh, it deals with all of the the contradictions and the clashes, all of the different divisions that sort of define New York. The it's not just a melting pot, but it's really kind of a. You know, these things don't necessarily melt very well. They sometimes really stir each other up. But it's a very well-observed film and clearly comes from, uh, you know, a lot of experience on the part of Michael Imperioli. And I am glad to see him do a film like this. He needs to make more. This is a, this is a good start and it should get a lot more attention than it has. So, uh, Michael Imperioli, please, somebody give him more money. Let him make more movies. Magic, Wade. Oh, magic. You know, it's my favorite Olivia Newton-John song. 
You know, it uh, is. Don't, From Xanadu. Don't, don't. It's good. Don't sing. Have to believe we are magic. Okay. I'm done. Never mind. Uh, 1970, uh, 1978, actually, 1978, is uh, Magic was, is with Anthony Hopkins. This was sort of before Hopkins had, had his career revival, you know? And uh, this is directed uh-huh. by Richard, At- Richard Attenborough. It's uh, based on a William Before Goldman. Richard Attenborough made Gandhi. That's true. And yeah. it's based on a William Goldman novel. It's an odd little movie. Um, Hopkins plays a, ma- a magician who becomes a ventriloquist. And he, his ventriloquist dummy starts to take over his life. Uh-huh. So in other words, it's basically a feature film adaptation of any number of Twilight Zone episodes. Doubt. Because there were like four Twilight Zone episodes about evil ventriloquist dummies. And Child's Play. Remember the movie Child's Play? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Get some. Yeah. You love it. <laughs> yeah, but this has uh, Burgess Meredith in it. Who also was in half a dozen Twilight Zone episodes. But none of them with the evil ventriloquist dummy. That is true. Uh, you know, I kind of like this film. Again, William Goldman, who is was one of the great screenwriters, and Richard Attenborough, who directed Gandhi, and Jerry Goldsmith did the music, Anthony Hopkins, of course. I don't know. I, I think you know it has a great ending. It's pretty suspenseful. Uh, it's kind of a forgot. It's kind of a forgotten film. And Dark Sky. Dark, I'm surprised that Dark Sky Films wound up with this with this Blu-ray. Yeah, because it's a, you know it's a it's a film. People it, heard of it. It's it, it is an it is an interesting film that really did kind of get lost a little bit. And uh, obviously, you know, Dark Sky and MPI they figured out that somebody had let it slip through the cracks. So good for them. Good for them. It is. Yeah. It is. A, it is a good transfer. Um, Still retains all the original film grain, which is very, very nice. It was actually uh, – the whole transfer was still supervised by Victor Kemper, who's the original cinematographer, who is still alive. God bless him. Stick around. Uh, we also have – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it, Mark. I'm going to do it. I'm going to stand up for a movie that everyone else hated. Do it, Wade. I liked – I'm, I'm going to say this. This is, this, is, this is my 12-step program. I liked Sex and the City 2. There. I said it. I like Sex and the City too. You, do you feel better now? You I got do. it off your chest. I do. I'm a straight man, and I like Sex and the City too. Well, you mentioned which, on- by the way, the first ten minutes of this movie is probably is is so unbelievably over the top gay that gay men are going to be saying that it was too gay. It, it, it's just beyond. I mean, when Li- when at the wedding, the gay wedding scene, when Liza shows up and busts out in a big sex, you know, big stomping, high kicking song and dance routine, singing a Beyonce song. It, it, you, you almost – the audience, you could palpably hear groans, and yet I loved it. I thought it was great. Well, on stupidformovies.com, which is every Thursday yes. at 8 p.m. Pacific time, uh, you did say you liked that, and I we, did. Were, we were amazed. I'm owning it. I'm owning it. I like this movie. It is on uh, – what I have in front of me here is a Blu-ray DVD combo along with digital copy, of course. And here's the twist. Um, the story here doesn't play, take place anywhere in New York. They all – the women all kind of up and skedaddle over to uh, Abu Dhabi. And, uh, of course, they couldn't shoot in Abu Dhabi because they wouldn't, couldn't get permission. So the movie was actually shot in Morocco. So there's kind of a cheese factor in the fact that you realize they're going out of their way to not show you Abu Dhabi the way that they would if they actually had shot in Abu Dhabi. That being said, I think there are a lot of interesting things about the sort of the, the worldwide sisterhood of women and what women have in common. And it takes the characters to a different place, which is, you know, now that they are no longer the women they were on the series and in the first film, they're married, they're moving on, they have children or they want to have children. Um, it's interesting. It, uh, it takes them in a different direction. A lot of people didn't necessarily like that. I liked it. Very good commentary by Michael Patrick King, who directed it. I mean, a really good commentary. And then a very interesting conversation on here with uh, Sarah Jessica Parker and 
Michael Patrick King. Great for fans, and uh, I like it. Even the little bit on this little thing on here on Liza can't get enough. Can't get enough Liza. I need more. I need me more Liza, Mark. Sigh. Get me some Liza. No. Okay. However, I will get you some Winnebago Man. You like this movie. I did like this movie. You know, Winnebago Man, uh, those who don't know, in the days before YouTube, uh, there were a bunch of these classically bizarre clips that were passed around on VHS. And one of them was this guy, this 50-something bald guy who just melted down into a pool of F-bombs as he was blowing his line starring in a Winnebago infomercial, right? Guy starring in a Winnebago infomercial. It's really hot during the shoot. Flies are everywhere. He's incredibly arrogant, and he keeps blowing his lines, and he just can't stop swearing. So what happens is the crew starts making dubs of this guy's epic fail at doing this Winnebago infomercial, and it became pretty much one of the first uh, viral videos. So he does this. The VHS gets passed around, and then the guy literally disappears. Nobody knows what happened to Jack Rebney. And 20 years later, this documentary filmmaker decides he's going to try to find Jack Rebney and find out what happened to the guy who starred in the pretty much the first viral video ever made. So uh, Ben Steinbauer goes on the case, finds the guy, and what happens is, it's funny, what happens is is, is surprising, yet at the same time, exactly what you'd expect. And it all makes for a pretty interesting ride. And I enjoyed Winnebago Man. R- Winnebago Man really is a almost a creation myth for the viral video world we now live in. Because it wound up being passed around. Look, it was like Rocket Man. Remember when, when William oh Shatner's Rocket Man? If you knew somebody, I, and you know, I rem- here's the thing about yeah, that was legendary from the uh, the Saturn Awards in 1978. But if you knew, but if oh. you knew somebody who had like a fifth generation VHS dub, you drove 20 miles to go to his house That's to watch true. it. That's true. You know, now you just go you to sure YouTube and there it is. Yeah, very true. So Winnebago Man is just terrific, and um, the extras here are okay. There's um, there's a Winnebago sales video, which is 25 uh, minutes of uh, new footage. There's the New York City premiere where Michael Moore shows up, and uh, you know I just I would recommend a Winnebago Man. I would, I admit it. Pretty bitching. Yeah. I'm I'm going to roll through some interesting uh, but somewhat obscure titles here, just uh, real quickly to let everybody know that they exist. Alex Cox is you know Alex Cox who made Repo Man and a lot of other kind of cult films has uh, he you know, the stuff he has done since has sort of vanished into these weird little. His movies kind of fall between the cracks and in between the seat cushions, and uh, you have to work hard to find a lot of them, but if you do, they're still really, really cool. So make every effort to go out and find them. Um, in, 19, in 2007, he made Searchers 2.0. Absolutely nothing to do with the, uh, the John Ford film per se, or at least not in the, in the very direct way. But uh, it's, it, this is actually a really fascinating, intriguing, weird little movie. It is about these two characters, uh, Mel and Fred. Mark likes the name Mel, don't you? <laughs> He's funny. Yeah, Mel. Anyway, um, the, it's about two guys who, as children, when they were actors, they were abused by this screenwriter named Fritz Frobisher. I like that name. There's all these great names, Fritz Frobisher. Anyway, well, now, many, many, many years later, uh, Fritz is an old man and... Um, He's, uh, he's going to be showing up at a T-shirt signing ceremony. So uh, Mel and Fred make the trek to go and get some kind of payback or revenge. And um, it, it becomes 
it becomes really a kind of an interesting road trip and uh, has all of the eclectic, weird, little, fringy, uh, odd, peculiar appendages that Alex Cox's movies always have. It is uh, definitely worth checking out. That's from Micro Cinema, and uh, it's a it's a fun, nice little. If you've never seen an Alex Cox movie, this wouldn't be a bad place to start. Uh, from the Warner Archive Collection. Uh, again, remember these are DVD uh, DVDRs. They are burned DVDs to be ordered. If you go to uh, WarnerArchive.com or WBShop.com, we have Pretty Maids All in a Row. Um, this is from a Roger Vadim, or Roger Vadim, who, of course, is the one who discovered uh, Brigitte Bardot and eventually married Jane Fonda, the French director who made mostly crap movies. And uh, this is not particularly good, but it has kind of a cult following, mainly because of its, uh, its very, very B cast at the time. Rock Hudson passed his prime, Angie Dickinson, Telly Savalas, Roddy McDowell, Keenan Wynn. And you know who wrote and produced this? Mark? Oh, it was uh, James Cameron. Nope, nope. Take a guess. This Roger Vadim. This is unbelievable to me because I never realized this. I'd always heard about the film. And this is kind of, this is a, you know, it, it is sort of an exploitation film. Uh, it's, it, it, you know, I, I don't want to call it a sexploitation film, but it certainly is kind of a, a weird black comedy movie with all kinds. It's like a, an 80s sex comedy combined with a murder mystery um, with some really bad comedy. Um, Take a wild stab at just guessing who wrote this. Well, you realize I know who wrote it. Gene Roddenberry. Yes. But after Star Trek. Yes. This is the early 70s. Isn't that bizarre? Gene Roddenberry wrote a film, wrote and produced a film directed by Roger Vadim. That is bizarre. That's just weird. It's very strange. Can you imagine Gene Roddenberry and Roger Vadim in a room? No, I can't. Like they, said, they, they come from two different pop totally culture different universes. Totally different worlds. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a novelty. It's not a good film, but it's a weird little novelty. And then uh, we have a couple here from uh, Columbia. Now, these are, these are Columbia Pictures films that are released from Sony that are also part of their archive version of what Warner Archive does. These are DVDRs. And uh, we have Footsteps in the Fog with Stuart Granger and Gene Simmons. And um, The Pumpkin Eater with Anne Bancroft, Peter Finch, and James Mason. Mark, do your James Mason for me. This is James Mason. There we go. That's you a- are no longer Joe Pendleton. All right. That's lovely. Uh, anyway, the uh, i got to say, The Pumpkin Eater is actually a pretty good film. This is directed by Jack Clayton, who we just talked about, by the way, on our Stupid for Movies uh, horror movie show because he directed The Innocents, which I think is one of the scariest films ever made, uh, from a screenplay by Harold Pinter, the amazing Harold Pinter, who's one of the great playwrights of all time. S- sensational performances from Peter Finch and Anne Bancroft. Um, I'm surprised this is not getting a kind of a, a major DVD push, at least in some kind of a box set of some kind, whether it's an Anne Bancroft box set or, you know, a Jack Clayton box set or something. But uh, anyway, it's a really great melodrama, and uh, definitely check this out. This is from 1964, the era when they made great melodramas. I think uh, Footsteps in the Fog is a little bit less impressive, um, less melodramatic. But it's, um, you know, they, they, they call this a Victorian noir. I don't know if I'd necessarily go that far, but it's, uh, it is decent, directed by the otherwise negligible director, Arthur Lubin. And then we have uh, from this uh, line of Paramount films that, were, that are being sublicensed to Olive Films because uh, Paramount sees no possible way to actually make any money off of them, so they're letting Olive do the heavy lifting. 
And it's their loss, frankly, because Olive is going to do some real business with these. Uh, Tropic of Cancer, or otherwise known as Henry Miller's Tropic of Cancer, one of the most scandalous books ever written. Uh, if you know anything about Henry Miller, this was made in 1970. It wound up being – I don't know what the original rating on this was. It, no, this, it must have been X because they've re-rated it NC-17 for the DVD release. Yeah. And when was this? This was in 1970. 1970. Because this is one of those like you know when, when the rating system went down and yeah. when when the production code went down and the rating system was instituted yeah. in '68. This is one of the first films that like really said, "Oh my yeah. god!" Yeah, it did. It, it 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 went there, you know. And the Henry Miller novel was originally published in 1934 and promptly banned. And uh, it's you know it's all about Americans living in Paris and doing it every which way that you can possibly imagine. And uh, look, you know if you if you've seen Henry and June, you know a little bit about Miller, which ironically the first film that was ever rated NC-17, Henry and June. What? Boy, that Henry Miller, he pushes the envelope. Uh, here's here's why I recommend this movie, not because it's a great movie or anything, because uh, director Joseph Strick, who also co-wrote the screenplay, not a great filmmaker by any means, and certainly not a great year necessarily for a lot of movies 1970 except for Patton but um, Ellen Burstyn is sensational in this film this is like one of those early really really good Ellen Burstyn performances uh, Rip Torn is also in it he's very good but this is it's all about Ellen Burstyn as far as I'm concerned and then also on the uh, Paramount Olive thing is Summer and Smoke which is an adaptation of a Tennessee Williams play uh, terrific cast here uh, Lawrence Harvey Geraldine Page Rita Moreno Una Merkel Pamela Tiffin um, the movie's not as good as the cast, but it actually the, – the performances are very good, and it is better than average. It's a better than average movie for sure. Um, I, I, the, the problem is that the Tennessee Williams plays the piece that it's based on was only a one-act play. So you feel like this is stretching it a little bit, but uh, really good performances here, especially Geraldine Page. And, um, you know, give it, a, give it a look. It was directed by Peter Glenville, who did Beckett. It's not as good as Beckett by any means, but it's, it's worth a look. Certainly worth a look. You know what else is worth a look, Wade? What? Dark Star. Oh, my gosh. Now, Again? Dark Star. This has been out on DVD, like, what, seven times? This is yes. like, like the Evil Dead. Yes, but now we got the super special the 36 and a half year anniversary edition. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's called the Hyperdrive edition. Now, Dark Star, for those who don't know, is a uh, cult classic. It is a... Um it's kind of a 2001 Space Odyssey ripoff. Now, this, this DVD contains not only the theatrical version, but the, here's the thing. The movie was originally 68 minutes. It was directed by um, – it was actually written by um, John Carpenter and Dan O'Bannon. Music by John Carpenter, Wade. You, you know you love the music by John Carpenter. We, we argued about this already on Stupid Love Movies. It. it was also directed by John Carpenter. But anyway, so uh, it was originally 68 minutes. Yeah. And then the producer said, hey, man, if you can shoot another 15 minutes of footage, I can get this released theatrically. Mm-hmm. So they did. And the DVD here from the good people at uh, VCI includes both versions. And Dark Star is trippy and ridiculous and funny and out of its mind. And it put um, John Carpenter on the map. And actually, some trivia about the movie. Dan O'Bannon, there's a subplot in the film regarding this alien and Dan O'Bannon wound up taking that subplot, turning it from comedy to horror, and using that alien character as the basis for his screenplay for Alien. Not, you know, that's so, interesting. I think I'd heard that. So Dan O'Bannon went from literally Dark Star to Alien. No kidding. Talented guy. Yeah, he is. Total Recall. Didn't he just die or something? He did. Yeah, that's yeah. sad. Um, 
on the on the other side of the world that I live that I live on is Oliver Stone. Oh no! Now Oliver Stone uh, has become just this unbelievably left wing lunatic crazy man who is aligning himself with, with with some very questionable people. And after doing this uh, documentary called Commandante, where he sat down with Fidel Castro and kissed his butt. Uh, now we have a thing called South of the Border, where Oliver Stone goes down to uh, South America and uh, kisses Venezuelan President Hugo Chavez's butt. And I just don't get it. I don't either. I really don't. I just, you know what? It's a big, sloppy, wet kiss to not only Chavez, but a whole bunch of these South American uh, uh, leaders, including the guys from Bolivia and Brazil and Argentina. And I just, it seems like he's just backing the wrong horse. Every time well, he does one of these movies, I just don't get it. It's because that air, that region was under uh, the thumb of so many right-wing dictators for so long that I guess now he feels like the left-wing dictators are, you know, better than nothing. I, I don't know. I'm trying to explain it, not justify it. Uh, you know, one of the better releases this week, and we're only going to give this a cursory review because we're still waiting on the Blu-ray for this, which is delayed. Um, this is The Complete Metropolis from Kino, the restored version of Fritz Long's amazing, uh, incredibly influential science fiction film. The uh, Just recently, they restored 25 minutes to the film that was discovered... As the, you know, these things are always amazing where they discover these things. They're like, you know, someone will find like a 16 millimeter dupe of an old silent movie in a basement somewhere. And in Russia, they just found like 30 or 40 something uh, old classic silent films that had all been thought lost. You know, they just keep popping up these silent films. They're in basements and attics all over the world. Well, because collectors, collectors will maybe they'll uh, I know. pass away and they'll donate it to some film school we just keep, somewhere. You know, like a hundred stick it in a library. Hundred years later, we keep popping these things. Keep showing up. Anyway, this was, Metropolis was made in the year, of course, when sound came into existence. So it came at a very sophisticated point in the silent era, just as we're about to move to sound, 1927. And um, the 25 minutes that they restore here, you can tell. That is restored because the, the all this kind of the scratches and the uh, the difference in quality is very evident. So, well, they made that they, they did that purposely, and it's on it is on purpose. And you can you you tell you can tell it's it, there will be sort of a reaction shot that was cut from the the you know the previous version, which changes everything. I mean, every, it's amazing what the twenty five minutes does, and I really recommend this. And I'm glad that they didn't change that because it's very instructive from uh, a standpoint of editing to see how the movie changes in in terms of its theme and its pacing and uh, your ability to empathize with certain characters. It's just what was cut changes so much of that enormously. Well, it basically creates an entire character from somebody who was just in it a little bit That's in the true. original. There's that yeah. – remember the, uh, the, that, that uh, very thin, tall guy who read the newspaper yeah. at the, at the, on yeah. the street? That guy – and I, I think his character was he followed the main character around. And tried yep. That guy, turns out, has a backstory and a little plot line it's of amazing. his own that you never saw until you saw The Complete Metropolis. Well, you get an, a nearly hour-long documentary here on the, uh, on the making of the film and its restoration, which is excellent. It's called Voyage to Metropolis. It's worth the price of the purchase alone. Uh, you get an interview with the uh, curator of the Buenos Aires um, Museo del Cine, which is where they found the remaining 25 uh, minutes that has been restored. And then you also get the uh, a 5.1 mix of the original score performed anew by the uh, Rundfunk Symphony Orchestra in Berlin. Uh, tremendous, although I'm not going to give this a full recommendation just yet because, again, we are waiting on the Blu-ray, which has been delayed in shipment. I want to see how the Blu-ray compares to the DVD, and then we'll uh, give it, hopefully next week, our full attention. Mark, I think it's, um, 
It's time now to announce the winners of the Alien giveaway. It is, isn't it? Yes, it is. We, now, we gave away the uh, Alien uh, Blu-ray, the Alien Legacy, the whole darn That's thing. That's right. And let me tell you, this Blu-ray is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Spectacular. Phenomenal. And, you know, we were talking on Stupid for Movies, Thursdays at 8 p.m. Pacific Time. Uh, we were running down our favorite horror, scary films. And, man, I'll tell you, Alien is, if, it's, if not number one, it's number 1A. I mean, that move. Alien is perfect. And you know what? I'm a huge fan of Aliens. I think Aliens is a, it is a classic sci-fi action film. I love Aliens, too. Uh, after that, the series sort of died. And then the studio really crapped on it by putting it together with the Predator series. And that was just an embarrassment. And the studio should be embarrassed for doing that. Now, of course, they're going back and uh, Ridley Scott who may not have it in him anymore, Scott is going back to do an Alien prequel that might star Natalie Portman, where you find out the origin of the space jockey from the original film. So basically we have two classics. Okay, Alien is a super classic. Aliens is a classic, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, three and four are uh, uh, okay. I, I am in total agreement, but the set itself is phenomenal. Oh, God. The, the, That's phenomenal. Look, the extras on the set were created by our friend Charles de Lazarica. Yep. So the extras are top-notch, and the Blu-rays look amazing, and it's just great. It's great. And you know what? We were thrilled that Fox was able to work with us to get us a couple copies we can give to you guys. Yep, very true. Now, Wade has the names of the winners. Oh, my. Well, I don't have the names of the winners yet. We're going to pick them. I'm, you're you're going to pick three numbers. I again, am? Just like last week. Yep, I've, I've organized everything in random fashion. So you're going to pick three numbers. Um, let's see. How can I? Let's see here. Now, last week, the numbers were my father's, uh, uh, the date of my father's birth. Those were the numbers that I picked because uh, we had enough people who had joined that I had all those numbers. I see. Now, I don't know how many, we, how many uh, I can we go have, up to. Well, a lot of people tried emailing us more than once. But you see, I deleted those duplicates. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know that game. So, uh, Mark, we have uh, pick pick three numbers between one and one hundred and fifty nine. Well, I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say seven. Okay, hang on. There's our seven. Yes, forty two. Got <laughs> to count down. You have to count all the way down to forty two. Okay, we've got forty two and six. Oh, you're going to go back to six. All right. Drum roll, please. Drum roll. The winners are Alex Goodman, Brian Hunt, and Pete Dragasakis. Dragasakis. That's an interesting Greek name. I like that. And you know what? The fact that you probably mispronounced it, he could not be happier because it means you pronounced it. Because you're telling him he won the set. It's amazing. Well, anyway, Alex Goodman of uh, Louisville, Kentucky, congratulations. We will get uh, your name and address over to the people at Fox Pronto. And then uh, Brian Hunt of Orem, Utah, congratulations. You are going to be getting one, too. And then Pete Dragasakis of uh, Chanhattan. Boy, the the names associated. Pete, everything associated with you is hard to pronounce. Chanhassen, Minnesota, I guess is what it is. Chanhassen. Oh, who hasn't been there? Uh, anyway, tough to pronounce. But anyway, all three of you, congratulations. We will be getting your names and addresses off pronto to the people at 20th Century Fox, and uh, you should be getting your Alien Legacy Blu-rays. Oh, wait, let me tell you something. In short order. Let me tell you something. 
Tell me something, Mark. Um, let's just say that you lived in Ch- uh, Chanhassen, Minnesota. Yes. You could be right now going to the Chanhassen Dinner Theater. Would no. you like to know what's playing at the Chanhassen Dinner Theater right now? Oh, this is why he wants the Blu-ray. I'm scared. What? Let's see what's playing at the Chanhassen Dinner Theater. All Shook Up, written by uh, Joe DiPietro. I Do, I Do. Book and lyrics by Tom Jones. Music by Harvey Schmidt. Awesome. Oh, and Steve Ray's comedy uh, cabaret. Improv comedy every Friday and Saturday night with Steve Ray. Fabulous. That is at the uh, Chanhassen Dinner Theater. That's great. All right, Mark, we're going uh, to roll through some kid stuff and some TV stuff. Uh, get, get that TV stuff ready while I uh, blow through this kid stuff. Yes, ma'am. Got a couple of Sesame Street titles here. C is for Cookie Monster and Preschool is Cool, Counting with Elmo. Mark and I have a problem with Elmo. We think that he's, uh, he's creepy. We do? Don't you have a problem with Elmo? I thought we had a problem with Elmo. I well, thought we agreed on that. Yeah. <laughs> we had a meeting on this and we agreed. Uh, yeah, okay. Elmo creeps me out. The voice creeps me out. Uh, Elmo was not part of Sesame Street when I was a kid, so I really have no affinity for him. But uh, Cookie Monster. We all love the Cookie Monster. I just don't like how they're trying to make him health-oriented now. He eats cookies, folks, and his eyeballs roll around, and that's all there is to it. He's a Cookie Monster. It's not not leaving any a, a bad impression with kids. Um, so those are those are fine. I I am uh, I'm quite enamored of uh, a lot of the old classic Hanna-Barbera stuff that they're now releasing uh, sort of as part of the Warner Archive collection. And one of these is Thundar the Barbarian. That oh, is, yeah. I remember Thundar. You remember Thundar? I do. I really do. With, with two R's? Yep. Yeah. Thundar the Barbarian. One of the, uh, one of the cooler Hanna-Barbera films uh, from the kind of latter part of the Hanna-Barbera era. This is the complete series on four discs. Definitely go to WB Shop and look for this one. Uh, Thundar the Barbarian was a really, really cool show. Better than, better than, from my money, better than Conan. If we have to pit one barbarian against another, I definitely like Thundar because it has more of a kind of a, it's almost more of a kind of a groovy sci-fi post-apocalyptic uh, quality to it, and I enjoyed that more. Also has a uh, a Princess Ariel who had nothing to do with the Princess Ariel in The Little Mermaid. I find that interesting too. Uh, but this was a really cool show, and it is uh, it is nice to rediscover it on uh, on DVD. So. Uh, WB Shop, check that out. I don't know if this is necessarily for kids. It's on Comedy Central. Uh, it's animated. Maybe it's for some kind of kids. Ugly Americans is uh, this is all. This probably should be like this is more like Adult Swim type stuff. But uh, this is a new show on uh, on Comedy Central, and it's uh, it's got a wicked edge to it. Um, not gonna, not gonna get too much into it, but it's got an audio commentary on it and uh, some webisodes and uh, art galleries, and uh, it's this is this is a new kind of animation that might creep you out a little bit, or in a good way. Uh, Wolverine and the X Men, the complete series, all twenty six episodes on three Blu rays. Uh, actually, I in many respects I like this just as much as. Uh, the uh, the X Men movies. This is this is kind of growing on me. I didn't I didn't like them originally, but watching them on Blu-ray a little bit, you really start to appreciate the animation and uh, the kind of the spirit of Marvel Comics bleeds through a lot more on here. So they've done a very very good job on this show and a lot of really cool episodes. Uh, they look all look great on Blu-ray. Audio commentaries on uh, on all of them and uh, top notch. Some even have a couple of audio commentaries. 
Mark, what? got some more TV for us? If you like. Yeah, let's let's fire with it. I, I got a couple other kid things here, but uh, I see I see some stuff there that I know we need to get into uh, before the show ends. Well, we got two fifth season uh, DVD sets from the, the the good folks at Shout Factory. We have Mad About You with Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt. This show kind of got forgotten. This show is not really all that beloved. But uh, it's funny because Sony released the first couple seasons, and it was like f- three or four years between releases of seasons two and three, but now Shout Factory... Uh, picked this thing up. They acquired the rights, and they're on season five. And there's um, no extras, so they've really done nothing with this. So that's the four discs, and uh, that's for you, uh, mad about you f- fans. Facts of Life season five. I saw this show taped. Oh my god! I actually was in the studio audience once for this show. It but, was great. Well, season five was a groundbreaking. Why? Ground. Well, because this is the season. Where uh, where Char- Joe breaks up with her boyfriend and then uh, and and Blair uh, does has, a, has a scheme exactly. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, this is the season where Mrs. Garrett leaves. Ah uh, yes, she leaves to start. Uh, she leaves to start some sort of a bakery or something. She could, just, she couldn't take any more of Tootie either. None of us could take any more of Tootie. Yeah. And, uh, you know, look, this is a big NBC show uh, back in the 80s and uh, about a bunch of girls who live in a sorority, and I just don't get it. It's just not good. Although I did think that um, the brunette was cute. I don't know why I thought that, because she ain't cute now. Okay. Well, it's the facts of life. And I would sing the song, but I, I don't. I don't want to chase our listeners away. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Deadliest Catch season six. Um, these guys are crazy. They're out of their minds. They uh, f- they're fishermen, and they go to the Bering Sea, and they go to all sorts of crazy places, and they catch crab, and it's they very do dangerous. What? They catch they they, they they don't catch crabs. Oh, they catch I'm sorry. Crab. Sorry, I misheard you. Forty for there's like huge waves and and winds and big machinery and and they 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 never sleep because it's so dangerous and it's 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 actually a crazy show. Uh, four discs, whole bunch of um, uh, extras too, including some behind the scenes stuff. And uh, you know, I th- this show is look. The one thing about these discovery shows, you got to admit, is that they take you to places you would never go otherwise. Very true. And the thing is, is that look, if you're working that job, catching crab in the wilds of the Bering Sea, whatever, yeah. that's one thing. But imagine being on the show. Uh-huh. It's like you could either be in the warm, air, the, yeah. you, you could be either in the air-conditioned confines of a studio in true. Hollywood, or you can go to the Bering Sea and uh, watch a bunch of guys catch crabs. Horrible. Uh, wait, am I going? Am I still going? You're still going. We, uh, got, we got a few more seconds. Al Pacino, you don't know Jack. This uh, won a couple of uh, Emmy Awards. This is Al Pacino as Jack of Orkian. And Barry Levinson directed, and Barry Levinson did something absolutely amazing, which is he got Al Pacino to calm down just a little bit. <laughs> Ever so slightly. Exactly. It's great casting, and Pacino does have a history with HBO because he starred in Angels in America. And uh, this film uh, is just terrific. It's something that would never get the actual distribution, but it's a great story. And HBO does that kind of stuff. They, they sort of fill that niche, and I liked it a lot. Uh, I'm going to uh, put a plug in a very kind of, with reservations for uh, The Essential Bugs Bunny. This is uh, a Looney Tunes 20-short collection on two discs. I got to say, I'm a little annoyed by the way that they're doing this scattershot. You know, they've been doing the Looney, the Looney Tunes Golden Collection on uh, on DVD before, and I think Warner Brothers needs to keep going comprehensive, complete, not just kind of putting these, well, look, 20 great shorts on uh, on a two-disc set, because this isn't comprehensive, and some of the best stuff is not here, but it sort of is like the history of Bugs Bunny um, in brief. It's okay. It's fine. I mean, there's great stuff here, but... I, you know, a 
eventually you're going to want all of them. Really, everyone's going to want every Bugs Bunny cartoon ever. And I'd say hold off, wait for some kind of a comprehensive box set, or just start buying those Golden Collection volumes and uh, put those together. Because uh, that's where you're going to—that's where you're really going to get uh, the, the best stuff. And then lastly, he's your dog, Charlie Brown, the remastered deluxe edition. They've been doing this with all of the Peanuts stuff pretty steadily, doing remastered deluxe editions of all of them. Uh, He's your dog, Charlie Brown, is not necessarily the best one of all time. This also includes uh, Life is a Circus, Charlie Brown. Um, But if you're you're a completist, definitely step up and get it. But uh, I'm waiting for all the Blu-rays. With that, we are done. Email us at gods at digigods.com or check us out at Stupid for Movies uh, Thursdays at 8 o'clock, stupidformovies.com. Till then, we're gone. 